Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Oh, we can't play that. I'm going to lose my, if I become like governor of the city, of the state, I'll- There's a zero, zero percent chance of you winning any political office ever. Well, I think I could win it. I just might not keep it. There's a difference. You, you are the definition of unelectable, I'm sorry to say. Oh, I've heard worse. Okay, let's start over. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Chris Kelly. And I'm Dr. Mark Eisenberg. And we are here to answer the age-old question, am I dying? Hey everyone, today we're going to be talking about a very important and timely topic, and that is COVID vaccinations. We've now reached the point where a decent number of Americans are fully vaccinated. As of this moment, right now that I'm speaking, 16.03% of Americans are fully vaccinated, meaning they've received either two doses of the two-dose vaccines or one dose of the one-dose vaccine. But a lot of Americans, a majority of them still are not vaccinated. And, you know, this is a this is a very important moment, and it's going to really decide how the next year or more go in America. And so we wanted to talk about vaccines and our thoughts on them and some of the objections that we've heard from our patients and friends and just try to understand those a little bit better and, and give some advice. Yeah. It's getting very bad now. I mean, we're now in March, end of March, early April, and the numbers in New York City, at least, have zoomed up in the last two weeks. I know of like six people who've caught COVID in the last two weeks, you know, and unless we sort of, you know, get get our acts together and get sort of that quote unquote herd immunity, we're just going to keep bouncing it around. So around, Mark, what percentage of people would you estimate need to have a vaccination to achieve herd immunity? And maybe on the way we can define what herd immunity means. I don't think anyone's really knows that. I, I mean, I would say at least, I mean, herd immunity, you need like 70 to 80% of the population, right? Totally immune to it. I think it's more like 90 plus percent. Yeah, okay. Well, so I mean you could argue let's say if 50% of the population have the vaccine and another 25% of the population who didn't get the vaccine had already had COVID, then you're sort of starting to get up there. The the problem is just because you had COVID, we don't know how long, you know, last year you might not be immune anymore one, and with all the, you know, new strains, you know, that might not qualify you also to not catch the new strain either whether you're vaccinated or you had the actual original COVID, right? Right. So herd immunity essentially means that a large majority of the population is immune either from vaccination or prior infection. And because such a large number of people are immune, the virus is effectively no longer transmitted through the population. It's much harder to catch it because it's much less likely you're going to encounter somebody who has it. And the people who do have it are not going to spread it as easily because there are fewer susceptible targets. And so once you reach herd immunity, somebody who is not immune is relatively protected um, just because there's very few ways for the virus to reach them. But we are nowhere close to herd immunity right now. 
uh, in the United States. Many, many people, probably a majority of Americans are still susceptible to COVID vaccination. So if you're counting on herd immunity, at least right now, to protect you, that's a losing bet. Yeah. What do you think people's objective? Look, at first, it was obviously very hard for a lot of people, and it still is in some states to actually get the vaccine. But in some states that now a lot of people have had the opportunity to get it, they're, you know, I mean, am I allowed to talk about a family member? I have like a distant cousin who called me in panic on Sunday, and he actually met criteria. He was like 65 with high blood pressure. I'm like, so I said, and he actually has COVID. He went, had indoor dining last Tuesday, and on Friday, he started having symptoms. And I said to him on Sunday, well, didn't you get the vaccine? Like, especially he lives in Riverdale, which, you know, it's it's a part of a zip code that's being considered underserved that actually he met criteria to get it at multiple places. And he said, I didn't get around to it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you and I were both vaccinated months ago at this point. It's now reaching a time where a majority of Americans can get vaccinated if they choose to. So let's let's try to understand a little bit the reasons why someone might not want to get vaccinated. And hopefully if you're listening and you have not really pursued vaccination, one of these reasons might resonate with you. And you know, we'll kind of tell you what we would tell you if you're one of our patients. So, so let's just go um, sort of down the list. I have a couple in mind and, and maybe you have a few others that you've heard. So the first thing that I hear a lot, maybe the most common uh, thing is, well, you know, we don't really know what the long-term effects of vaccination are, and there might be hazards there that that haven't been fully clarified. And and so I'll take my chances. What do you think of that, Mark? Well, I think let's go back to the problem with vaccinations. I mean, look, people had no problem getting a lot of vaccinations uh, 30 years ago. It turns out, you know, the whole MMR, measles, mump, rubella, and rubella vaccine, actually, everyone's worried that there's a link between that and autism. That's where a lot of this current issues with vaccines started. So a lot of people are worried that there's a link between the MMR vaccinations with children with autism, and that has been disproved. But why don't we go back to how that started? Do you know how that started? Well, it was a paper in The Lancet by Andrew Wakefield uh, from the UK, which was turned out to be complete fraud. In the 1990s, absolutely. How do you know that detail? Because I'm a very well-educated, well-read person. I thought you went to Columbia. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Anyway, yeah, exactly. So this guy actually came out with this paper that was actually published in a great, a great journal, and it turns out one. Uh, it was totally inaccurate. Uh, he was being paid off by lawyers at the time. Did you know that? No. I, I mean, I knew that he knowingly published fraudulent data, but I didn't realize, although I could get not surprised that he was being paid to do it or had some secondary gain. But shame on the Lancet for publishing it. I mean, exactly. Come on. Well, this is this shows uh, how responsible journalism, responsible medical journalism is key. And if it's not done properly, it can have such horrible long-term effects that actually, yeah, he was being paid off. And it turns out, this all goes back to social social psychology. If you say someone's a pedophile, they could actually be proven that they're not a pedophile, but in a good number of people, they're still going to associate that person with always being a pedophile. Isn't that true? (laughs) Yes. It's hard to to unring that bell. But that's what happened. So even though there's been at least 100 studies after that initial fraudulent study that's disproved it and shown there's no correlation with the vaccine or the ingredients in it with autism, and it's been disproved, people still are fearful. So general anxiety about vaccines is definitely out there. Uh, probably started back with uh, Andrew Wakefield and was perpetuated 
by people like Jenny McCarthy, for example, uh, and other celebrities who were really loudly outspoken against vaccines. Robert F. Kennedy is now one of the more prominent ones. But so so there's that. There's just general Didn't distrust. Did he get shot of, in the sixties? I think you're thinking of his father. Oh, the son has the same name. <laughs> yes. I guess they're not Jewish. <laughs> um, Kennedy, uh, anyway. <laughs> Kennedy Steen. Yeah, it's Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And he was recently thrown off Instagram, by the way, for his anti-vaccine positions. Okay, so there's this skepticism of vaccines that's out there. There's this, you know, general belief that maybe they're worse than the disease, but okay. In addition to that, there's also the novelty of the COVID-19 vaccination, right? It didn't exist a year ago. I mean, COVID barely existed a year ago. Okay, but, but that word is dangerous, isn't it? Novelty? So I think that this is actually an interesting point and something that I've explained to a lot of people, which is that it, it's not like when this COVID outbreak first began, scientists were you know, standing in front of a completely blank whiteboard. There were already coronavirus vaccines that were being studied. There was just never a reason to fund or pursue them aggressively. And so interestingly, the vaccine that is being given was actually designed in March 2020 when the COVID-19 genetic sequence was released. Within a day or two of that happening, they already had a candidate vaccine. And the entire time period since then between, you know, the original arrival of COVID-19 and the FDA, you know, emergency use authorization was just testing it. So this is not a brand new vaccine. This is just a newly formulated version of a vaccine that's been studied for some time. And we did new clinical trials with thousands of people to study it and make sure it was safe. But this is something that's been in the works for a while. And there's a good amount of data to back it up. And like I always say to people, the alternative is COVID. And we know that that's really bad. I mean, we have over half a million dead Americans from COVID. We do not have 10, as far as we know, people dead from the vaccine. So if you have to choose something that's killed nobody, as far as we know, versus half a million people, I, I think that it's pretty reasonable to choose the, the safe vaccine. Without a doubt. But it's not even that. I mean, there's something called responsibility. We live in a society and, you know, we know that these mRNA vaccines, the Pfizer and the Moderna are like 90, anywhere from 89 to 95% effective, you know, and it's not even that in the few percentage of people who might still get it, you might get it, but a less severe version. But besides that, there's probably a lot of data that's going to come out that you can't spread it so easily if you've had the vaccine, that the viral load, even if you're carrying it, is not enough to actually spread it around to other people. And we live in a society and it's not just you catching it, it's you catching it and then giving it to an old person or a baby or a pregnant woman. Right. Which is why you're not allowed near any of those categories of people. Well, that's fourth on the list. There's three others that I'm not allowed to discuss till my lawyer gives me permission. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right. But call me cynical, but over the years, I, I have learned to stop appealing to people's benevolence uh, as a motivation, because although that works for some people, I think, eh, call me super cynical here, for most people, appealing to their own self-interest is the number one way to motivate certain behaviors. And I think that even if you take a totally narrow self-interest, across all demographics, it is smarter to get the vaccine than to not get it. That's true. And there's another thing called long haulers, right? Right. So why don't you tell us what, what so that is? It's not that it's not just that you're gonna not die, you know, you might not die from COVID. What is there? About a two percent two percent of people who catch COVID end up dying, one to two percent. And that seems to it be It depends on your age. I mean, if you're over eighty, your chances are much higher than that, an order of magnitude higher than that. 
Okay, but let's just say in general, it just seems like it's very consistent with different countries and different states, what percentage of people end up dying. But besides that, the ones who survive it, and we could talk about that after the break, but I'm seeing a lot of people who come in and they actually still don't feel well like nine to 12 months later. Yeah, this is happening a lot in my office too. People come in months after their initial infection and after feeling okay for a while and they still have shortness of breath, chest pain, palpitations. They're just not themselves. And then there's a and then there are also foggy brain syndrome, which is really actually well delineated and being studied, and they're actually treating it with certain medications. You know, it's like Lyme disease. People caught Lyme disease, and then they're like not well with arthritis and all these other long-term effects for like decades. Yeah. You know, for all we know, COVID, same thing. You know, people are going to have sort of symptoms of fatigue, shortness of breath, chest pain, fogginess. It can really, you know, destroy their lives. Should we take a quick break? Yeah, let's take a quick break. We'll come right back. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking about COVID vaccination. And in the first half of the show, we talked about how, you know, a growing number of Americans are getting vaccinated, but there's still a lot of resistance out there to the concept of vaccination. And uh, there's a variety of reasons why that might be. One, which we covered now, is that, you know, some people are concerned about vaccines generally, concerned about the effects that vaccines might have on them, and they're preferring to take their chances with the disease itself. And I think that we, both agreed that that is not a good idea in, in the case of COVID, because even people who are relatively low risk by conventional standards, young, healthy people without comorbid medical problems, uh, can have a lot of issues with this. They, they may not die, but we have patients regularly in the office who have long-term consequences of COVID, be it chest pain, shortness of breath, palpitations, or other symptoms, and they just don't feel right. And uh, avoiding COVID for that reason alone is very important. So I think another reason um, that we should probably address is explained by the same things, which is people are just not afraid of COVID. Um, Mark, are you there? Yeah. Wait, wait. What was the last thing? People are not afraid of COVID? That people are just not, people aren't afraid of COVID. They just think, you know, I'm young, I'm healthy. It's not a big deal. Or do you think politically with the whole, how it's been politicized during the election that, you know, it's a hoax and this and that, that still has long-term effects? I think that there some people believe that. I think some people believe this like macho thing that, you know, COVID's not a big deal. I, you know, I'm tough. It's not going to affect me. And and that's really not true. I mean, first of all, if you're an older adult, that's definitely not true. If you get COVID, your odds of having a serious problem are reasonably high. And if you're young, you know, these long haul patients in our office, they were healthy before and, and now they've got symptoms that are dragging on for months and months. So besides, isn't the average the average age of the person that died is about fifty one? Isn't that true? 
Not sure. But I, I wouldn't be shocked by that. But I'm just saying, it's not just old people, you know? So even if you're not afraid of dying of COVID and your chances of, of dying are low, you still just don't want to get it. I mean, people have really bothersome symptoms from this. And the vaccine, in contrast, you know, some people get a little bit of an immune response on the first day, after the, especially after the second dose. But I have yet to hear of, much less meet anybody who has had more than 24 hours of vaccine-related symptoms. Mark, have you had a different experience? Yeah, I mean, look, there's always like someone who comes down with something a week later, and who knows if they would have come down with something anyway. So, you, you know, it's obviously not helpful to speculate. But yeah, I mean, most people at most are not feeling well for about a day to 48 hours and, you know, after the vaccine. And, you know, the biggest side effects are just pain in the arm you know, at the injection site, you know, that could hurt for some days, but big deal, you know. Wait, they gave it to you in your arm? <laughs> I asked for the buttock, but they had security come whisk me out. Yeah. Wow. I got hoodwinked big time. Yeah. And again, as Chris said, the mRNA vaccine has been in studies for, they've been knowing about this for at least a decade, if not maybe even a longer, because remember there was SARS and MERS or whatever, you know, back in 2006 or 2009. I mean, they've been preparing for something like this for a while. Yeah. So another thing that comes up, I think a little less often, but it does come up sometimes among folks who are not interested in getting vaccinated is the whole matter of civil liberties. Mark's in New York City. I'm down in in the South in Raleigh, North Carolina. So you, you hear a little bit more about civil liberties down here, I think. We don't we uh, don't have any in the city anymore. Because you don't have any anyway. So basically the argument here is, you know, I, I, just on principle, I don't like to being told what to do by the government. So since they're telling me to get vaccinated, I'm not going to do it for that reason. Even if you're look, just looking out for yourself, that's not a very good approach to preserving your own health because sometimes the government does recommend things that are good for you and you shouldn't not do things that are good for you just because the government recommends them. Mm-hmm. And two, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of politics obviously around COVID and clearly a very different approach between the current and former president. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people in the Republican Party are still a little skeptical about COVID's seriousness and the worthiness of the vaccine. But it's interesting. I actually was reading an article recently that talked about a semi-analogous situation that happened decades ago with seatbelts. And when the government initially mandated seatbelts, people were completely outraged by this and were literally cutting seatbelts out of their cars with scissors. Why? Um, because they ru- just- it ruined their clothes? And they were just offended by the idea that they would have to do something that the government told them to do. And, um, and even in the 80s, a majority of Americans opposed seatbelt laws. Did you know that, Mark? No. I thought Ralph Nader was like the, the one who actually was a big proponent of it, who basically changed everything. That's exactly right. Ralph Nader was one of the first loud voices to advocate for seatbelts, essentially <laughs> arguing that car companies were not making safe cars and that the only way that we could save ourselves was with seatbelts. Yeah, I'm impressed by him. He was a he was a great advocate, to be honest. A great advocate with a, a questionable late legacy, but we're not going to go there. Wouldn't it be cool if he listened to this podcast? <laughs> or are you hoping for Jenny McCarthy still? Yeah, I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm, I'm actually aiming more for Jenny McCarthy. But it took decades, decades for people to embrace the seatbelts. And so, so I think that there's just always going to be this issue with anything that's required uh, is just going to reflexively... Uh, inspire resistance among a larger group of people. And, and you know, right or wrong, I think people are fair to be skeptical of, of government mandated anything uh, at times. But, 
you know, you also just have to forget about that sometimes and think about your own health and, and do things that, that make sense for you, even if, you know, and the other, the other big issue I've heard people say is they don't like something foreign in their body. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, every time you eat a meal, you're putting something foreign in your body. Oh, I was going to make another joke, but I'm not. The uh, I mean, I know that your dating life doesn't end with anyone putting something <laughs> no, foreign the, in their body. No, but I mean, honestly, though, it's funny. The same people that say I don't want anything foreign in my body, like an injection, probably are on like six like vitamins. I mean, how is exactly. that? Exactly. <laughs> and at least the thing about these injections, trust me, they're the FDA and all these other groups are like really watching for side effects. You know, who knows when you take down all these, take, take in all these vitamins and herbs and stuff, what, what you're really uh, putting in. Yeah. I mean, unless you're living in the woods, eating berries off the tree, you're putting foreign substances in your body all the time. So yeah. I don't think that that's a totally logical argument against medication or vaccines. Yeah. Look, I'm impressed with, you know, there's three vaccines that are FDA approved at on this day, uh, the Moderna, the Pfizer, both mRNA, and then the uh, J&J, which is a one-time deal that doesn't have to be stored the same way. That seems to be the same old vector, I think, like the flu shot, right? Well, no, the flu shot is a live attenuated flu virus. Basically- oh, thought, Not anymore. I didn't think it was live. Live attenuated. I think it's But I was talking about is. the vector. Isn't it through like an adenovirus? An ad- adenovirus, exactly. So basically, the Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine, which looks more like other vaccines, uses an adenovirus with a protein from the coronavirus attached to it to um, basically replicate and you know trigger the immune system to recognize that protein, which normally belongs to the coronavirus, so that when the coronavirus itself comes along, uh, the body is primed for it. Whereas the other vaccines are just the mRNA itself. Uh, yeah, and isn't the mRNA like out of your body like within like hours? I believe it is, yes. Yeah, it doesn't live too long, so... Yeah, so you're, you're triggering a response uh, through a variety of different mechanisms. But either way, if you're listening, please strongly consider getting vaccinated. All of us in the rest of society depend on on uh, a large number of people getting this so that we can get back to life as normal. And I think that we're all pretty eager to do that. Mark, any final thoughts here? No, I agree. I, I can't stress enough how everyone needs to get vaccinated. I, you know, you see on the news all the time these people who like come on the news and they're like, "My father and I refused to wear." masks and now he's dead with covid and we were idiots we should i I can't tell you enough that we shouldn't have been like that blah blah. i don't know one person who's caught covid who said they still are happy they caught covid and didn't wear them (laughs) yeah best thing i ever did yeah anyway thank you for listening everyone please please get your vaccine we have to all try to be as healthy as we can and we all want to try to go on with our lives and this is not going to stop until uh you know these variants which by the way one thing to add you can't, they can't form variants if it's not replicating in people, right? Right. I mean, yes, the existence of variants depends on ongoing spread of the disease, right? Exactly. So the faster we can shut off the spread of the disease, the less likely it is that variants are going to spread. Yes. Um, you're putting evolutionary pressure on the virus, uh, the more people become vaccinated. But if we can all quickly become vaccinated, then it, it makes it much less likely that a, a variant will both uh, be created and spread through the population. So it's something that uh, all of us should be paying attention to. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. See you next week. Hey, everyone. At the Am I Dying podcast, we absolutely love answering listener questions. So if you've got one, please contact us and we will answer it during our show. You can call 855-AUDIO-66. That's 855-AUDIO-66 and press option number four for Am I Dying? If you're one of those weird people who doesn't have letters on your numbers, call 855 855- 
283-483-4666. Thanks. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Am I Dying is a production of Offscript Media. Our executive producer is Matthew Zachary. Andrew McDowell is our senior producer. Darren Tun is our production intern. Am I Dying is recorded, mixed, and edited by Ariel Nachman. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments and feedback. For more information, visit offscript.com.